Hello. Hi, John. Oh, hello, Merlin. Oh, hello, John. Oh, hello. Good, good morning. Is it time for our frank and unscripted candy, weekly phone call? Candid call. Candid, <laughs> candid. call. Oh, candid. Candy, candy, candy. Candy, can. Candid call. It's time for the call. Robert Evans died. Mm, you bet your ass he did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I don't <laughs> I don't want to be too adulatory for a variety of reasons. Sure, of course, you know, nobody likes a fan. Well, uh I uh you know, then the thing is, I uh mainly, you know, I I I yeah, I come at him from the angle of the, you know, the tape, the the book on tape. Uh, yeah, the book on tape. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, is tremendous. That's the angle. That's the angle. Yeah, but I think he's probably, he's probably done some bad stuff, and I'm going to pump the brakes. Oh, I'm being sure. too. Oh yeah, yeah. Sure, that, I think that's all well documented. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you know we're fan. We're we 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 loved him. We loved him in his time. Uh, yes. Somebody posted a photo this morning, and it really made me think of you. Let me see if I can find this. The one I think it was the one. It might have been David's cough. Yeah, Dave Itzkoff, I, I believe, who uh, wrote that uh, book about Robin Williams, that really good bio of Robin Williams. Yeah. I'll send you this photo. Um, this is – I want to know I want to know if you could tell me what your first thought is. Do, do you remember the movie Popeye? Oh, do I ever. Okay. I loved it. I loved Oh, Popeye. I did too. I was, I was so into Robin Williams at the time. I would have watched him paint a fence. Robert, Robert Evans, this is, this is, you can see the photo, the young, handsome – Sunglass, glassed. Uh, Look at him. He looks like Dustin Hoffman. You bet your ass he does. Robert Evans with Jules Pfeiffer and Robert Altman on the set of Popeye. Who else would have greenlit it? And Is that Jules Pfeiffer? I, I guess so. I, you know, I never put his face to a name before. Yeah. Well, it's a different it's time. Not, and the, my, my first thought was, I think it, it might have come out in 1980, but I bet it was shot in 1979. I'm, I'm just saying my first thought, holy shit, made of cocaine um, for 100 percent, it without was without cocaine none of this would have happened you know do you ever feel like we missed the great I drug do. years i yeah. do yeah well i do and like this is such an old topic for us we were uh, well i would never show my kid anything related to the watchman because she's too young but we were i had to like re 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 explain to her the whole nuclear thing. Now, it helps that she is also terrified of nuclear war, which is awesome. Now, how did she get that? I don't know. She has bad dreams what, about it. She what has, have young people even heard of nuclear war these days? I don't know. I mean, she worries about annihilation. It's the sweetest thing. Nuclear. But, you know, that we had the nuclear war and we had all of the different diseases. Oh, yeah, a lot Two of diseases. Two things that defined the 80s oh, for people But, you know, wait age. a minute. Remember, famine... There was a lot of famine. Oh, yeah. Let them know it's Christmas time. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So mm -hmm. people... You know, we were at uh, it was it was before anybody had uh, coined the phrase peak oil, but we were at peak food. Yeah, there was never going to be enough food. Yeah, in retrospect, it was such a, a a Twitter kind of thing. Like we all got to go, you guys, you guys. <laughs> it's Christmas. They don't even know about Christmas. They and don't even know, especially the Muslim ones. There are flies on the baby. <laughs> You guys, oh, get a shirt. Oh, Buy a shirt. Lies on the baby. Um, this is, I mean, yes. Okay, first of all, yes. Made of cocaine. I mean, because you right. know you know, Bob. You know Bob was throwing down. 
He had a lot of cocaine. Well, and, how, how and else you wear a, You know, Robin Williams, I think he had his share of the cocaine over the years. He's fueled by cocaine. How, how the hell is Robert Altman going to walk around in a captain's hat? He looks like, <laughs> he looks like uh, the captain from, the, from Gilligan's Island. Oh, the skipper. Uh, the skipper. How's he going yeah. to walk around like that if he didn't have a bunch of cocaine Absolutely. in his pocket? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Jules Pfeiffer, on the other hand, I don't think of him as being a real cook. Coke guy, but no, no, not, not well. Who knows? But the thing is, here's the thing, and this is why we missed the window. I say disease stuff because first herpes and then HIV oh, yeah. and AIDS came along, and there was that time where we where people didn't know uh, what caused quote unquote gay cancer, but like there were a bunch of ideas, and maybe it's poppers, and it could be drugs, it could be, and then later we learned, oh yeah, you know, sharing needles not so great, and there was a real trickle down to that. We were already scared of all the drugs. Yes. Whereas it used yes. to be you could just do cocaine and it was seen as, I think, a performance enhancer. I remember right at that period, which is, of course, right when you and I were first arriving on the scene where it was conceivable that we might kiss somebody. Yeah. Uh, I remember, I think it was no less a person than my own mother who mm-hmm. said, boy, you really missed out. Well, your really? generation really missed out. Huh. And I'm like, what? what? Huh? Wow. And she was like, yeah, you should have been here for the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but you didn't do anything. And she was like, I know, but it was, it was, it was happening all around. Yeah. We talked like, about how our, how our dads, at least oh, I know my dad started dressing different. Oh yeah. Cause he had to, and you can see it. I mean, you know, you, you look at the evolution of a, uh, of a Mike Brady over how with those three years on that show where he, yeah, he went perm. Yeah, he ended with the perm, which matched Greg's, which was creepy. But even when he started out, he had kind of swoopy, swoopy, uh, you know, not hippie hair, but like, it's just wild. It's wild. Yeah, I guess, you know, it must have been kind of exciting, but like, God, this is all of our old topics being rehashed. But I wouldn't want to live through a 1968 as a sentient adult. Can you imagine? No, I I wouldn't, except there was that, that <clears throat> the promise of it in the seventies that we ended up seeing unrealized, but the promise of it, that we were living in a new era of freedom and 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 possibility. Yeah. And now we weren't going to be hamstrung by old morality and we were going to, you know, people were going to be able to just be who they wanted and not be, not have to live in this conformist world. And it just all came unraveled so fast. Yeah. But for a brief period there, it seemed like, oh, I mean, this was and this this was the thing that they, you know, that the that the baby boomers traded on for 15 years after the fact, which was like, we made it safe to be cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know, man. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But I don't know. You know, maybe yeah. maybe we're right on the cusp of a, I don't know, man, I was just about to say on the cusp of a new golden era, but I don't oh, see boy. any sign of that. <laughs> let's, 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 let's leave that to Twitter talk. Um, the, Do you, uh, are you familiar with, are you a fan of the comics of Jules Pfeiffer? I mean, I, I think I know his stuff from uh, like New Yorker compilations mainly. He's one of the, he's one, so I, I'm kind of a fan of his. I have all, I have a bunch of collections of his work. Mm-hmm. And have actually kind of sought out maybe an original Jules Pfeiffer drawing on the aftermarket, on wow. the, the the dark web sure. of uh, of former editorial cartoonists for the Village Voice. Uh, I've yet to secure one. Mm-hmm. That's a good goal. Like if you're going to go for it, like that or a George Booth or a Gory, like I, I would support that. 
Right. And there are, there are a couple others like, you know, I've always wanted a Gilbert Shelton. I've always wanted a, a, um, like a, a, an original dirty plot. You know, I've got, I've yeah, got see, a bunch these, of these, the, when you talk about your comics with an X, uh, that would include, there's a lot of stuff from the, like our crumb famously yeah. our crumb kind of era. Right. But also you would inc- maybe include Jules Pfeiffer in that Rat King of uh, cartoonists. Uh, you know, it's weird because he – I don't know. I mean the, that that generation of of sort of pre-Doonesbury pre, pre mm-hmm. political com- comic artists that were uh, alternative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the st- where they would sometimes do a do – a, a, a comic for Playboy, and then the next week they'd have one in the New Yorker. Mm-hmm. But Jules Pfeiffer is an example of an editorial cartoonist that, in the fifties, if you read his comics from the fifties, they feel incredibly modern. Like the style of these is incredible. Just the, and definitely but, a precursor to Dunesbury for sure. Like in terms, well, I mean, like Dunesbury obviously nicked some of his style in terms of the panels, but also just the drawings, the very fluid. Uh, drawings. Yeah, like a, a, a super kinetic, but also just topically. Like mm-hmm. he covers the civil rights movement. He covers, you know, the the politics of the fifties. Which I don't. I don't know if I've, I've talked about this with you, but like the first time I saw Doctor Strangelove, the idea that we had in the eighties that that the fifties had been this time of conformist paranoia. And like sort of lockstep, yeah, leave it to le- yeah, Levittown <laughs> sort of. And when when I saw Strange Love and realized that there was that there was satire in the fifties, it kind yeah. of blew my mind. But then to to read Jules Pfeiffer is to see the mid century in a completely different light and realize that there was so much sophistication that has been kind of papered over by the sort of broad stroke myths that we put together about decades. And it's just like, Oh mm-hmm. yeah. A madman or whatever. But, but you, you read his, his writing was so personal and he had such a, such an interesting take. And then you realize he was a popular, uh, a popular editorialist at the time. And, and that means that there were, that that there was an audience for it, right? That that there were they wouldn't they a, wouldn't keep inviting him back, <laughs> right? Yeah. There were a lot of people that shared his sentiments, and there just isn't other than Lenny Bruce and kind of that little little slice of hipster uh, commentary. You don't really get that sense of like a mainstream bebop, hepcat, but smart people. Mm-hmm. That's that's a place I wish there I wish there was a documentary of that sort of Nichols and May. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay, that, that's that's yeah, where it's not it's certainly informed by um Beatniks, uh the Beats and the Hipsters and stuff like that, but it was very so very sophisticated. Right, sophisticated. Yeah. And you know the the people that were the people that it wasn't just like they were critical of Eisenhower, but they were like snooty about the Kennedys, even you know, just sort yeah. of like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Here's our here's our satirical album about Camelot, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, like the what was it called? The First Family. The there was that Vaughn Meter album. Those like mm-hmm. a uh, send up of uh, 
the Kennedy years that was popular, so popular for so long. But Nichols and May is a really good way. Or even like maybe would you include like uh, like Rob Reiner and Mel Brooks? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rob Reiner maybe a little. But like they're they're uh, what is Carl it the, the what's it called the thousand year old man. What did I say, Robert? I'm sorry, Carl Reiner. I meant, yeah. I was thinking of the, uh, you know, the it's called the Thousand Year Old Man, where they did the improv bit where Mel yeah, Brooks, yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, the 80s made the 50s look like the look 90s. Like the 90s. Mm. It's exactly what happened. That's exactly how it happened. This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Away. You can learn more about Away right now by visiting awaytravel.com slash supertrain. Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. They started with the perfect suitcase, crafted with features that make travel seamless. And now they offer a range of essentials that solve real travel problems. So all you have to think about is where you're headed next. Because getting away means getting more out of every trip to come. Away knows that everyone has a different travel style. And that's why they make their carry-on in an array of colors, two sizes, and two materials. A strong yet flexible polycarbonate and an anodized aluminum. Ooh, you know, I love these carry-on bags. Uh, my family has three, three, three of these bags. Uh, and uh, you get a lightweight and durable shell. It's made to last for a lifetime of travel. A 100-day trial lets you try uh, any Away product on the road. Uh, limited lifetime warranty. Uh, some of the cool features, built-in compression that helps you uh, pack more in. You get a range of unique personalization offerings. You can even get it hand-painted, you guys. Here's what you love. You love to see this. Four, 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 360-degree spinner wheels to guarantee a smooth ride. Listen to your old pal Merlin. You know, uh, once you get uh, into the four wheels, you never go back. It's just the best. You can even get it with an ejectable battery, and it comes with a removable laundry bag, on and on and on. So much good stuff. Now, remember, these are guaranteed to last a lifetime. So if any part of your suitcase breaks, uh, Away's standout customer service team will arrange to have it fixed or replaced as soon as possible. You get a 100-day trial, right? You go out, take it on the road. You can travel with it. Go do your thing for 100 days. If you decide it's not for you, you can return any non-personalized item for a full refund with no ifs, ands, or asterisks. Free shipping on any Away order within the contiguous U.S., Europe, and Australia. Pretty good. And you can get away offline, too. Huh? Huh? Want to see for yourself? Shop everything away at their stores in New York, Austin, L.A., San Francisco, Boston, Chicago, and London. Uh, like I said, I'm a big fan of these. Uh, my, the original one of these that Away sent to me before we bought two more of them with our own money was heisted by my daughter. So I had to go and buy one. My whole family loves these. They are our go-to suitcase. They get my official okie dokie. So right now for $20 off a suitcase, you go and visit awaytravel.com slash supertrain. Use the promo code supertrain during checkout. Okay. That's going to get you $20 off. Go to awaytravel.com slash supertrain promo code Supertrain. Nothing wrong with that. Our thanks to Away for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. Oh, you brought it back around. I got to get, get, get a ding in. Um, Th- we, this morning. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, well, mm, uh, no, I was just going to say it is like, I, there. this is embarrassing to say, but there's that kind of editorial cartoon that has been popular or has been what we think of as an edi- editorial cartoon since at least the late 1800s, which is. There's a drawing of something that's usually a little bit silly, and then it's got labels on it to explain. <laughs> the do-nothing Congress, the hardworking farmer, uh, levies. And you're like, oh, God, it's so lame. You know what I mean? Just the, and you, and in, the, in this current era, the uh, pro 45th president editorial cartoons, are they're so, they're so 
bad and they've yeah, the got the ones that are owning the libs you mean yeah exactly and they and they yeah. and they like so like i just tweeted about this a second ago this this shirt that they're putting out that's a mashup of hocus pocus and uh the impeachment democrats that's going around and it's it's mm. so bad it's, it really looks i mean I, i'm sorry godwin's law it looks like you know uh an editorial cartoon about jews from the early 30s <laughs> it's that that kind of terrible scritchy scratchy drawing style that's just awful yeah but but we look at something like jules pfeiffer and it's it's all done narratively like what they're these are characters talking and moving and doing things and it some of these really perfectly capture the tone of culture and society at the time without needing a label on it that says congress yeah it they didn't. And, you know, what I, another thing I love about Pfeiffer is that he has reoccurring characters, but you don't see them there. It's not like, uh, it's not like they're, they're there every week. He'll do a, he'll do a strip this week about the military industrial complex and he'll do a strip the following week about the, you know, the five year grain harvest plan. And then his character of Huey and Bernard Huey and Bernard will show up and they'll do a thing. And we already know Huey and Bernard. We've we've seen them do their thing over the years, but then they then we don't see them for weeks. And then the 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 um the woman that does the dance of spring will show up and she'll <laughs> yeah. do her dance those, of those spring. Are gorgeous. <laughs> and then you know, and then weeks will go by and then Huey and Bernard are back. And and it's like you feel the passage of time with both with Huey and Bernard. They've been living their lives somewhere in his imagination. And I love that, you know, the, 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 and Doonesbury used to do that, right? We wouldn't see Zonker for a long time. And then right. there'd be Zonker like a week, there up. might be a week kind of thematically covering something, you know, that's about oh, the guy with the football helmet, you know? Yeah. Um, right. Right. Yeah. So, so the, 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 uh, the little Vietnamese kid that was, you know, a member of the Viet Cong. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Wasn't he amazing? I owe so much. So go do a Google image search on George Booth. And I think you'll know him when you see him. Um, boy, his, <laughs> his comics really capture something. I owe so much to people whose parents had collections of basically New Yorker cartoonists. So George yeah. Booth was one my friend, Sam's dad, uh, Ken had this collection called Omni Booth, and it was just oh, a big collection of George Booth comics. George Booth is a genius. And the I, I love the dog. The dog is the, so perfect. All of his, the, the the two old people sitting in a New York apartment. Yeah, somebody's with the, in a bathtub. <laughs> yeah, with the one light bulb hanging down, and yeah. she's saying something inscrutable <laughs> from the kitchen. I just, he, he's so smart and so dark. He's, and yet, you know, like he never talks down to 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 the people of the world i don't know look, it's, look, it's you can buy his originals you can get an there original you go. i'm seeing but the, but the, so i mentioned that um the uh, the other one is um that now uh my kid loves is like i say uh gory the the guy who does most famous in america probably for the opening titles to the mystery show on pbs but he's he did the gashley crumb tinies you know are you talking are you talking about edward gory yeah, yeah, like Ennis for Neville who perished of fits, you know. S is for Susan, you know, that 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 it's so goddamn dark. She has a poster of the Gashley Chrome Tinies, the A to Z kids. She has that poster yeah. framed in her room. Um, but anyway, all of those things, so whether that's George Booth or whether that's, you know, um Edward Gorey or 
what's another one? But there, I owe so much to people where like you'd be over hanging out, just hanging out at somebody's house. And that would just be sitting in the, in the Bastic with the recent newspapers and like it was ordered a bathroom. And like I got so acquainted with this stuff from the seventies and then got reinterested in later Bloom County, but definitely Doonesbury. Like I got very into Doonesbury in the early eighties and would check those out of the library right alongside Garfield. And like I loved them so much. And there's just, there's just something about a good, not necessarily a New Yorker cartoon, but about, about a one panel cartoon that like the older I get, the more I appreciate the subtlety of that well, being well done. Gahan Wilson or Gahan Wilson. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that stuff where it's just one panel and he's so dark and so like, he puts so much evil into some of his people. Um, so grotesque. Yeah. Yeah. But like, so I don't know. I, my, my older cousins, you know, I had three older siblings that were 20 years older than me. And then all my, co- my cousins were, the, my, the closest person in age to me was at least 10 years older than me in terms of like other kids. Mm-hmm. And so I would get these things for Christmas gifts. Like I, I would, uh, you know, I'm seven years old. I opened a gift from my, my, uh, older cousin and it's a book of Edward Gorey, uh, you know, like a compilation of Edward Gorey. And this is in. Yeah, the I had one called. The one 80s. I got into was called Amphigory. And it Amphigory was, was the first one. Yeah, yeah, it had the color section and it had the bit with the ants in it and all of that. It's so good. But I, but I also got all the Doonesbury collection stuff from my, from my brother David. I got all the old National Lampoons. And this was from, you know, they were just like his used ones. Uh, so, yeah, right. A sophisticated. That's kind of why I don't. It's kind of why I don't mind my kid reading comics that are over her head. I totally uh, – you've got to show your child things that they literally can't understand. Yeah. It's so, it's so important. Like don't – you know, it's like obviously they say, you know, make sure your kid uh, hears lots of words. Pre-literacy, pre-literacy, which is such an important concept, is that they have books around them. They hear lots of words. I mean, I don't know if that's scientific, but I, I think going to the library a lot, making that a thing that we do. We buy milk at this store and we go to the library. Like yeah. this is an errand you must participate in and you you should go and find books on the shelf that you just think look interesting. And I think it's whether that's <laughs> whether that's Watchmen or whether that which is not entirely appropriate. Like you want to you don't want to scar your kid, but like let them have things they don't completely understand. But in the same way that you know you and me and John Syracuse could watch Monty Python as a kid and not understand it, but know that it is funny. Yeah. You're, let your kid have good taste <laughs> and intellectual curiosity by presenting them with challenging things. I remember I gave her a bunch of Calvin and Hobbes when she was, I don't know, six or seven. And I sat and and tried to read them to her and realized, oh, shit, Calvin and Hobbes is meant for 13 and over. Yeah. I mean, there's so much going on that you just couldn't even understand what they're talking about. I mean, he's like um, he's a, a, a child that has adult thoughts. But. I sat with them for a while and she was like, what does this mean? And I was like, well, and tried to explain a couple of them. And then I said, just read them. And the ones that you get, you'll enjoy. And the ones that you don't save them, you know? And so she, she kept trying to plow through them. I think she, she identifies more with Garfield's sense of humor right now, but which is, which is totally fine and normal. 
Yeah, well, right. I mean, I but love you don't want to give your kids just just Lucky Charms every morning. No, and and I think the the one the one worry I have is that Archie comics, which I also have a lot of, um, because I liked Archie comics. I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not embarrassed. No. Uh, Archie comics spend an awful lot of time just like engaged in this this sort of somewhat perverted love triangle that. Uh, it feels a little bit above her pay grade, but she she digests them like she's she's voracious. So I, you know, I haven't I haven't jumped in and said like no more Archie comics. I don't like the way that Veronica treats you know it's uh, you know I just yeah no because because we I mean when you become an adult and you are deep into chunking biases and heuristics you tend to look at everything as boxes that have stuff in it and i think i know i i try to catch myself doing that and i struggle with it and sometimes you know if there's something where where there is a question instead of just saying well what do you think it means i'll say well you have to understand that this was a different time and this this (laughs) uh this this ghastly triangle that that archie and uh, betty and veronica are involved in it would be very problematic by today's standards but you also have to understand the release schedule for these comics where not everybody would buy every comic or digest and so they've just made it very you know thematic. now let's talk about bazooka joe and, and, and it's like no like stop putting stuff in boxes that's an adult thing and that's i think that is primarily an adult thing to do or as you get older you more often say well you know as my friend max likes to say what am i looking at here like right. give me the context for understanding why you're showing this to me and let me know what box this goes in before i even watch it so, you yeah. know, it's like when you recommend it to, when I recommend a TV show to somebody, I really struggle to avoid saying, oh, it's on Western with sci-fi elements. And it's like, well, no, <laughs> just go watch it. If you like my taste, trust me. You know what? Go see the movie. Get the movie Green Room. I could tell you what it's about, but I'd rather you just watch it. Just I don't want watch you to, it. Just, yeah, just watch it. Go watch, watch Green Room. Go watch Blue Ruin. Don't ask me to tell you what this thing is. Just if you trust my taste, give it a shot. If you hate it, do it. my kid and I do. We do the 20-minute test. If you absolutely can't stand it after 20 minutes, watch something else. But if you trust me and my taste, don't don't ask me for a box. You know, Ask me for the yeah. stuff that goes in the box. I'm sure you're going to enjoy the movie Popeye, but I understand yes. it if you don't. Yeah, give it put, 20 minutes. <laughs> Put on, if, you, you put on put put on some eagles. You cut up some lines. If you don't like it, then yeah, then you can always go watch Bugsy starring um, Annette Bening. There's one thing that happens in Popeye several times, and I, I really I should just go find a copy of the movie and make my own animated GIF. There's one character in that movie. It is GIF. so important that everybody know, and that's Olive Oil's father. Hmm. <laughs> Do you remember Olive Oil's father? He has not at all. He has a line. Well, he's got the, well, he's got, he's got a line that he says numerous times. Everybody will be sitting around talking really fast because it's Robert Altman and people are talking over each other. So you owe me an apology. And he'll be, just keep rolling along and then later on and just go, you owe me an apology. That's his line. Yeah. And so many times he's just indignant about what's just happened and somebody owes him an apology. And I think about Olive Oil's father about 40 times a day when I look at the internet. (laughs) I just imagine an old man at the end of the table with his hair in that weird point and his his weird little round glasses going, you owe me an apology. I want to see this, um, <clears throat> as you say, GIF. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll give myself a homework assignment. I'll see if I can uh, put it together. Why don't you do it? The pictures of him, olive oil father, the pictures you find of him, like, are in, like, a real squ- poop deck pappy? No. That's, that, what are you talking about? That's Popeye's father. What's poop happening? Poop deck pappy? Yeah, isn't that, that's Popeye's father. Come on, oh. Google. Get oh. it together. 
Olive Oil Father Apology. Yeah. I don't think you could call a character poop deck poppy today. No. Pappy. To no, poop no, deck pappy. <laughs> you wouldn't. No, no. We I don't, feel like that's we don't a, say I feel that like, anymore. I feel like that's a that's a uh, an example of how uh, the language has changed. Well, and it was another reason why we don't say uh, uh, niggardly. Niggardly oh, is a great word. It is a nice word. But it's very difficult. Well, it is a good word that is very meaningful, but boy, I'm sure not going to use it. No. no except no, no, no. except here in, in lots of brackets. Sure, sure, yeah. with brackets around it. Well, you, would you ever, <clears throat> but, do, you, do you say slavish, slavishly? Uh, I, well, you know, I would. I think I would say slavishly. Oh, but that's then I'm so a, much better. I'm a mispronouncer, a mispronunciator, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a slavish, I'm slavishly devoted to the um, Spock. To, Sab- to, sabotage the system. <laughs> to to Sabado. I say, I say, I say, sabotage. Sabotage. Somebody, uh, somebody in <laughs> my life. Sabotage. Somebody I love in my life. Recently had to go to a professional development, uh, this is like straight out of the office, had to go to a diversity training session. Oh yeah, that was a popular. No shade, no lemonade, but like, this person had said that there were things in this that were very good and very well done, but some of it got a little silly. And uh, this person in my life tells me that it was run by what this person described as a uh, helpful white lady. Oh, was she helpful? <laughs> it was run by a helpful, you know the type. So she's a I helpful do. white lady. And they were just talking about like, you know, being more sensitive to the people around us. And most people were pretty game for it. And, um, mm-hmm. but one of the participants was this uh, older man who is a medical doctor. He's an yes. older mm-hmm. uh, J- a Jewish fella who was trying real hard to like play along and even like participate in a way very few others were. And this doctor person said, uh, well, I think one thing that's really important as as we kind of proceed through this new landscape is to be sensitive about, about our own privilege and really about the blind spots that we, mm-hmm. that we may have. Mm-hmm. And the helpful white lady said, mm, we, we don't, we don't say blind. <laughs> blind spots. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we don't so, say blind. No, which, okay. All right. So here's the thing. I get that. And like a lot of people, I'm trying hard to not say hurtful things if there's an equally meaningful way to say something that's not hurtful. I think that's reasonable. But how sure. awesome is that in the diversity training, this good faith effort is made to say, I'm trying to become more aware of my privilege. And then, yeah, so the participant was chided for his what able, is the, ableism. Uh, what, what is the term of art? In, what would we prefer to uh, unsighted uh, location? Oh, is it <clears throat> so? A person that doesn't have uh, that doesn't have vision is now uh, the term is unsighted. Oh, gee, I don't know. I oh, okay, oh boy, okay. I just rather avoid that thistle. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Of I uh, uh, but uh, but anyway, no, I I get it. But it is I don't know. It's kind of funny. A friend of I mentioned this to a friend of mine. Uh, text texting with with somebody recently, and the person said, "Well, it's really um, it's really become a contest for which white person." Uh, it does not end up at the bottom of the pile. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash supertrain. Oh, friends, Americans, country persons, listeners, there are so many things that you can do with Squarespace. You can use Squarespace to make a beautiful website where you will turn your cool idea into your new home on the web. You can showcase your work. You can uh, have a blog or publish other kinds of content. You can have galleries for images. You can sell products and services of all kinds. You can promote your physical or online business. 
You could even announce an upcoming event or special project, and it's just all so fun and so easy to use. Squarespace does this by giving you beautiful templates created by world-class designers, powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online, the ability to customize the look and feel, your settings, products, and more with just a few clicks. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. They're offering a new way to buy domains, and you can choose from over 200 domain name extensions. They provide analytics that help you grow in real time, built-engine search engine optimization, and free and secure hosting. There's nothing to patch or upgrade ever. And of course, they have their wonderful 24 by 7 award-winning customer support. I'm a huge fan of Squarespace, and uh, you are in fact using Squarespace right now just by listening to Roderick on the line, because turns out that is where our show is hosted. Big fan. So please, right now, uh, you go to squarespace.com slash supertrain for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code supertrain. That's going to get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com slash supertrain offer code supertrain. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows. <laughs> not, not me, not me. <laughs> not me, not me. Do you continue to read magazines? Um, when was the last time you had a magazine subscription? I subscribe to... Let me write this down. So right now I subscribe, I believe, to four things, mm-hmm, one of mm-hmm. which I get physically. So I subscribe mm-hmm. to the uh, online... I'm, I subscribe to the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Atlantic, and the New Yorker, and we get the New Yorker delivered uh, oh, because my kid likes the comics. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I had New York Magazine until recently, and I, I was there was no particular reason. God, it's so worth subscribing it's to. A very good magazine. Just for like the recent Olivia Nuzzi piece on Joe Biden is a barnstormer. Yeah. she's such such a good writer, and I'm, I'm just joining the course of people saying, "Wow, this is extremely well written." Of course, a lot of people are all, all sad because, oh, we love Joe. And yeah, well, she goes into that. She gets into that. But she talks about the struggles of this campaign in a way that and it's what, what uh, the journalists call a write-around. She did not have a huge amount of access to the candidate. But she wrote this, to me, like uh, Tom Wolfe or mm. Hunter Thompson level piece of like just so colorful and well told. So yeah, New York Magazine is very good too. Um, the only magazine I currently subscribe to is the New Yorker. It sounds like you don't. You don't uh, get well, hard copies. So what I used to do, I I subscribe to the New New Yorker, to New York Magazine, to the Atlantic. Is this now, now or previously? Uh, well, so I used to be a big Harper's guy. That was I, my, that I, was the one I subscribed to for years. I bounced out of Harper's pretty. I mean, I for, they, pile I probably, up. they pile up. Yeah, fast. they do. And I, I probably had it for about five years. But when I worked at the magazine store, I stopped needing to subscribe. Yeah, to right. Some of those. But I always kept New Yorker <laughs> you had access to free dirty diaper magazines. I did. I did. Um, <laughs> diaper magazines for dirty boys. <laughs> do you have any? Do you have any? Any poo poo pee pee? Um, I I always had New York, New Yorker, uh, Atlantic. Discover Magazine is a wonderful magazine to have, um, yeah. particularly when you have a, a young person in the Omni, house. Omni, also, back in the day. Ooh, Omni, Omni was really so good. good. Yeah, but I still have subscriptions to. So I stopped with the New Yorker uh, a couple of years ago, just because because I spent so much time on my phone and so 
and I just wasn't doing that thing where I sat and read a New Yorker all day, Yes, which was one of my favorite things to do for so long, so mm-hmm. many years. <laughs> but I still get the hard copy, and I, my subscription to New York just lapsed. Yeah. I think I got my free months. I'm such I'm so San Francisco, John. I think my one year of New York magazine, I think it came with my KQED membership. <laughs> <laughs> here's your here's your liberal here's your liberal pack. It comes here's with your a, to, here's your here's tote, tote bag. bag. <laughs> yeah. Well um but I still get the hard copy of the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And over the years I just I keep coming back to the Atlantic as a magazine that that just defies expectations, just routinely, where you're like, "Well, I think I know what the Atlantic's all about," mm-hmm. and then you're then you'll read a big feature article where you're like, "Well, shit, I didn't see that coming." In terms of like you're saying, like a just a well written, fully realized piece, like yeah. an an article that feels that feels not like it's coming from any. One particular worldview, it's not coming from anti that worldview either. It's just somebody wrote a freaking good article about something. And somebody I, edited that article. Edited it isn't like it. a David Brooks column in the New York Times that just just gets splattered onto the screen. No, they got that someone that was being paid that had good talents mm-hmm. made it better. Anyway, there the latest issue of The Atlantic just reminded me of that. It, you know, from because you know, because they're not it's they're not blind to the world. They're just writing about it in a way that still feels like it's coming from that place of I don't know, you can't even say nonpartisan anymore, but coming from a place of like smart people talking about yeah. things. I'm just looking careful. through my history for what I've read recently and what they had that fantastic Malcolm Gladwell uh piece uh, recently that was that was super good. Uh no, I, I totally agree with you. And it's not just a hot take on what, what happened earlier today. Right, which Not we need, we so need that. That's why the econ- the Economist. I don't agree with them politically, but I've said for years. Like one reason I used to subscribe to the Economist was in the days before nonstop Twitter and news. That was a great way to read whatever that is, four to six pages of international news. Yeah, I, just and the I, beginning I, of that that those issues are it's such a good refresher course on this being an entire planet and not just you know the five hundred people that you see on Twitter. I definitely subscribed to The Economist for a long time, and I think there just maybe was one day that I got so pissed off at them about something that I was like, "Oh, I know, fuck I, you!" I, know. I stopped. I stopped subscribing in protest. I, I, I don't. I don't want. I. I really am so embarrassed to say this. I'm. I'm not one of those virtue signalers that talks about canceling the New York Times, but boy, there sure have been a handful of times where I'm like, "Really." Really, yeah, what else really you, Maggie, what else really Peter, really Mikey. That's that's your thing. You're just trying to keep us off. You're just trying to keep us off balance. You're just you're both sizing all of this stuff, and plus you still give money to David Brooks. What is happening? I know David Brooks. I but know. it's um and like honestly, like in the case of the New Yorker, I, I I've kind of joked about this, but this is it's I subscribe to the New Yorker because I do enjoy it. We like getting the cartoons. But like, I want someone to pay Gia Tolentino all the money. So like, in the case, there are times where I'm like, I just like, I'll love an article that somebody wrote so much that I subscribe um, to the online version of something. And her stuff is, she's just so good. Her recent book is so good. There's just people where I want to make sure you keep paying them. Like I'm freaking Washington reporters for the New York Times have really been driving me a little bit crazy lately, but it's so important they keep driving me crazy. It's so important that they get paid to do what they're doing. Please get paid to do what you're doing, <laughs> reporters that are still reporting on things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 What do, do you do? Now explain to me, mm-hmm. 
Explain to me. Explain to uh, me. Explain to me. It'll be fair. Because, because, because there was a while there where if you clicked on a link from Twitter to a New York Times article, <laughs> you could go, if they, if they tweeted it, you could follow that link and not have to have a subscription to the New York Times. Right. But they stopped doing that. It used to, there's all, there used to be all kinds of public workarounds that you could, you could use a incognito window. You could follow it from Google News. There were like a whole bunch of hacks. But like, and then the, the one that finally got revealed, much to my relief, was when they finally said, oh, look, it turns out that there has been, here's why everybody links to these Wall Street Journal things that only show you 50 words. And that's because there was this extremely well-known password and name combination that they never patched. Mm. I was like, how, how are all of you people paying for the fucking Wall Street Journal? Shame on you. Like, mm-hmm. And like, but then they, I think they closed that, but like, I, I don't, I mean, I can't believe how often people link to these stories in, anyway, uh, I'm taking you off your point, but yeah, yeah, you're well, right. There used to be lots of tricks and now that doesn't work anymore. Like if you try to go Wall Street Journal from an incognito window, it says you're using an incognito window. Yeah, you can't I know, do this, I yeah. know, I know, believe me, I know. But there's a, there's a regular, I know you don't like uh, talking about the people that listen to uh, our program <laughs> other than John Thiercusa. Uh, but there is a there's a senior editor for the New York Times that is a regular listener to our show. The devil, you say? Uh, by the name of Patrick LaForge, or as I like to think of him, Patrick LaForge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, he is he has been listening to the show for many many years. He he uh, he periodically will pop up and and uh, and give some con- some context to something that we've said. But now we we uh, are in a position to now say. Watch your ass. We pay your salary, sir. Oh, that's right. Sir. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, and so he, uh, <laughs> so for a long time, he was kind of like, you know, he would give me the, the little tip off, like, here's how you, here's how you read the articles. If you want to go, you know, if you want to oh, come, come through the, sur- the service entrance. But then eventually he was like, yeah, that's all closed now. So anyway, subscribe to the New York times. Go, yeah. go, uh, you know, kiss my ass. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but what I, party's over, Jack. <laughs> party's over. That's yeah, right. go pony up uh, the dough, loser. Don't get high on your own supply, no. Patrick Forge. But <laughs> what what I what I don't understand. What I want. What I want. I don't understand how to subscribe to a thing, and then also then as a result of that subscription, have it on my phone. I've never figured out how to connect it. Like I'll get, I get the things, I get the New Yorker, I get the New York Times, I get the, I get the Atlantic. Oh yeah, there's two. There's two. I forgot. Just before I forget, uh, my my lady subscribes to the Sunday New York Times, and also I belong to Slate. That's the other thing. So mostly for the podcast, but continue. Oh, did you ever get Wired? I got Wired for years too. I sure did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had the, I had all the original like first year of them, and I, I don't think I just threw them away. Oh man, those are worth a lot of money now. Well, I mean, it was I just really, it came, the Wired started right when I was getting on the internet. It was oh, like yeah. perfect timing for me. Wait, I thought that was, uh, that was uh, PC, PC gamer news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still get PC gamer news. I get it on my Game Boy. Do you remember PC Magazine when yes. it first Arrived, boy, I had a subscription to PC Magazine. I could see that being in your house. No, I had. Yeah. I used to get Mac World. I got Mac Week. I got Mac User. Then Mac World bought Mac User. 
Mac Week went away, but it was it was so funny. Then <laughs> as long as we're ranting, though, do you? I don't. You you may not remember this. You I wonder if you were working at the store then. In um, so I got my dot com dot com <laughs> dot com job. Sorry, Freudian. <laughs> Truly. Fortean Dick, everybody out of the. Um, the uh, there was one called uh, I think it was called the was it called the Industry Standard, but John Patel had this one that was all about like the internet startup online business stuff. I love that. Stuff. And I remember like around the time I got hired at that job in 1999, it went from being a magazine sized magazine to looking like a Sears catalog. It was it would be like some issues would be like half an inch, three quarters of an inch thick. There were yeah. so many ads, and then it just went away. And that yeah. Was it. Magazines yeah. were such a thing, even in the late 90s, and then it just all exploded. Oh, the people that would come into the newsstand to look at Italian Vogue. Oh. And, you know, they, they couldn't that's afford a, That's it. a doorstop right there, huh? It really is. They couldn't the September it, issue of Italian Vogue? Oh. Jiminy. But they wanted to look at it, and it was always the people that came in to look at it Italian boobs. Vogue it and had not Italian buy boobs. it. Well, it did, but it was all. It was the the audience for it were the fashion people that didn't have money, and I've always loved fashion. I've always loved poor fashion people mm-hmm. because they're making fashion out of what they can, and they really care about pret a porter and all this other. You know, they mm-hmm. it matters to them because they're like a fan community. And we think of fashion and high fashion as being this like province of just rich swells, but there's a there's a whole universe of people that that follow it just like people follow sports, especially teams. especially young gay guys. Well, and and you know, I remember there was a girl on Capitol Hill on Broadway that <laughs> had a baby really young. She was eighteen, and all of a sudden she was eighteen, and I already knew her as a like scene girl mm-hmm. um and she wore she did her makeup kind of like the two girls in the flock of seagulls i ran video mm-hmm. yeah but they like were wearing the garbage bags yeah wearing the garbage bags she did the she did the kind of uh, um like pris from blade runner eye makeup it's a good look as her just sort of around the neighborhood stuff but then she had a baby and so all of a sudden she's like pushing a pram, but she still is, uh, is, you know, rocking like Bowie in Berlin fashion. Wow. Cool. <clears throat> and she kept it up. And I, I imagine admiring her, or I mean, I remember admiring her so much, although also being like sort of, I don't know, shocked or, or put off a little bit by her devotion to her um to high fashion or extreme or like out ultra fashion mm-hmm. even as she was you know beats me like how she was scraping it all together but she would come in and sit crisscross applesauce on the floor of my magazine store when the big vogues came out and like you say the september vogue or whatever they're yeah. they're fucking battleships yeah yeah and she would sit there and I would, ne- there, you know, there were some people like if you were going to be in the back looking at diaper magazines, but also if you just like posted up and started reading Mojo all afternoon, I'd be like, hey, can I help you with something? Mm-hmm. Like you getting everything you need over there? Mm-hmm. If, unless you're Courtney Love, in which case, like, yeah. sure, you know, run of the store, babe. Yeah. She had a posse, but right? 
she did her yeah her posse was on broadway <laughs> but, but, um, <laughs> now is that the broadway in seattle same broadway because it's mix it's mix hmm. yeah Dick, dick's uh dick's drive-in was only like a i mean half a block from the magazine store where i'm where I wow. where I worked, so that's where Mix. Uh, that's where his posse was, and also there's a fairly famous Macklemore video that is like a hat tip to Mix. Huh. Uh, mix a lot, or Sir Mix, or Mix as we call him. Mix, yeah. Uh, and I, 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 I tried to appear in that Macklemore video, like I went to the shooting of it. Hmm. And I stood around in the in the dark while Macklemore drove up and down the street in a Cadillac limo. And after a while, I, I, like I was almost in a Drew Barrymore movie one time. What's that one that she did in the early '90s that was set in Seattle? Some oh, Drew- uh, for the girls, or no? What am I thinking of? Drew Barrymore. So, oh, 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 jeez. I, this is going to make me feel real bad. I'm going to have to go look her, look up her IMDb. Go ahead. Go ahead. I Seattle, think you can do Seattle, IMDb, 90s. Drew Barrymore, 90s. Drew Barrymore. Huh. Remember when she was in E.T.? Remember that? I do. Oh, she yeah. Was she, so was, she was real popular in that movie. She sure was, yeah. Um. Anyway, that Drew Barrymore movie, as you're, as you're looking it up, yeah. uh, I went, and it was a grunge movie. Hmm. Is Drew was there in grunge times. Poison grunge Ivy, time. Gun Crazy, No Place to Hide, Doppelganger, Bad Girls. I don't think inside so. Inside the goal, my boys on the side? Maybe, <clears> yeah. <throat> okay, let's call it boys on the side. Okay. Anyway, there was a scene where the where the camera was panning. Long, long shot from one end of the bar to the other while they – maybe it was a walk and talk. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But there were a bunch of us that had, uh, that had been called in as like grunge-looking extras – and we were sitting at the bar drinking apple juice out of pint glasses and like smoking cigarettes and looking real. Yeah. And, um, and sat there for, you know, it takes a long time to, to make a movie. There's a lot I of guess. waiting around. That's what they say. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of waiting around. So I waited around for a long time. And then I was like, fuck it. There's a real bar across the street that's selling actual beer. Yeah. I'm going to go over there. That's how they lose be- some of the greats. Also, a lot of the, lot of the great extras. They, yeah. I said to the extra sitting next to me, I was like, "Hold my spot. Mm-hmm. I'll be right back. I just need to augment this I'll apple juice." Be out of here. And <laughs> so I went across the street, and then I forgot that I forgot to go back. But I, I look back at it. <laughs> I look back at it now, and I'm like, it could have been hmm. in a Drew Barrymore movie, man. I could have been in a Macklemore video. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about think about what my Wikipedia page would look like if I had those credits. So different. You were in the December's video. That was good. I was, yeah. Yeah. I, every yeah. once in a while somebody will discover that. Oh god, like, big bushy oh. beard. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was my big bushy beard. Mm-hmm. That was back when you could grow a big bushy beard and it was a sign that you were having a bad time. You know, like huh. like like, uh, uh, like divorced dad kind of thing. Yeah, it was like a depression beard. Okay. <laughs> and these days, you grow a depression beard, and people are like, mm-hmm. "Did you forget your suspenders today?" Yeah, <laughs> like, ah, oh. doesn't, that doesn't sucks. work anymore. That it does. sucks. Yeah, it does suck. Like, look at, look, look, look at, look at Travis. Right, you take a Travis. Like, you're t- okay, you're, tra- you're Tra- talking about Travis. Travis. Travis seems like uh, you know we have this conversation around the house all the time because my my daughter and I are total creeps and wonder about people's lives. But we're always like, you know, you can tell the you know Griffin and Justin. Have have a fair amount of social anxiety in like different yes. ways yes. That, that you know Travis doesn't seem to have so much. Like he's, he's an extrovert. Travis. He's a very extroverted guy. He doesn't seem depressed at all. 
As, as, nope. uh, as uh, Uncle Tupelo said, no depression. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's got something in him mm-hmm. that uh, that is immune to the things that plague his brothers. And I don't know how it is <laughs> that he got the gift. because he, He's dad, the middle brother. He, he threaded the needle. His dad is very... Seems like a very lighthearted, fun, socially. Uh, He's careless. Open, he likes comic warm, books. Careless yeah. person. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. Uh, but you know what? We don't have what we have never met. What I've never met is the uh, McElroy mom. And yeah. I feel like a yeah. McElroy mom holds the key. Well, She's that's that's well, that's a sad story. Mm-hmm. It's a sad story. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, she she passed, and then and then they all they all got uh, Zelda uh, tattoos, and uh, and uh, they each have a different ability highlighted on their tattoo and then their dad has all, all the abilities in the in the tattoo why do i know this because i'm a creepazoid that is a little creepy but it's nice it is nice. i noticed it's a, I one noticed of the very the, few tattoos that i will approve um max temkin's measuring tape on his arm i'll approve that that's yeah, fine yeah. you can have that uh, uh, also uh adam savage has that too the uh, the measuring tape arm that's a good that's a good one now what happens if you <laughs> as you i mean is that will a standards body admonish you if you get older in the case <laughs> of like my, my my late mother-in-law she kept getting smaller yeah, I, I learned something today. I was having the garage door here worked on <laughs> by a guy who came and he's like, and I realized, you know, we have this stereotype of people in the tech industry who maybe are socially maladroit mm-hmm. and they work in tech as a result of not wanting to yeah. have to interact with other people. But you know what? You don't have to be in tech. You can also be in garage door repair. Uh, if you're not, if you don't want to, that's so good to know. That's so good to know that there are other avenues other than uh, managing a network. Yeah, that's right. You don't mm-hmm. have to be a, a, a remote area network manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you can be a garage door uh, repair person. Oh, that is and such this, good news. This guy, he was one of those guys where you'd ask him a question and then he, you weren't sure if he heard you. <laughs> And then he would he would answer it in a roundabout way later by saying something that you're like, oh, that what you just said answered the question that I asked a little bit ago. How about if I let you work? Mm-hmm. How, I said at one point, like, well, I, let, <laughs> I won't get in your way. Let me get out of your hair. Mm-hmm. And he was and he didn't reply. He just stared at them. But what I learned is that uh, cables, when they fray, bear with me. Okay. When a cable frays. It gets shorter, not longer. When a cable frays, it gets shorter, not longer. I'm not a physicist, so can you walk me through that? <clears throat> well, I think that what happens is that the that they get sort of uh, they get tangled, or the frayed parts get sort of bunched up, and they actually hmm. like sh- it shrinks the cable, not not. Uh, you know, it's not stretching. Mm-hmm. It's breaking and dreading, for I guess, is one way you could put it. It's like... Well, uh, it's woggled. I, I would not have guessed that. Yeah, it's like Jar Jar Binks hair. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, I enjoy uh, a fact like that. I enjoy a fact like that. It's Misa nice, interested in frame. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, I don't know. I asked Adam actually about his measuring tape tattoo. Like, how accurate is that? Are you how? What are you going to go on? And he was like, it's a rough... It's, you know... I, it, it is as accurate as I can make it, but you know, as you say, skin is, is, um, you know, it's skin. It's going to tighten up. It's going to loosen depending on uh, heat and humidity uh, and how how much you how much you subject your bill. arm. To get a dollar flames. bill. Dollar bill. How long is a dollar bill? Exactly six inches. No, really? I think so. Hope so. Yeah. You know, a, a, an American nickel uh-huh. 
uh-huh. which is which is a uh, a great uh, album title. That sounds uh, like a Neil Young record. <laughs> American an American nickel weighs about a gram. Mm. So if you wow, have so a, there's a use for nickels. Yeah, if you have a scale hmm. and you're trying to weigh out a gram of weed, okay, you just oh. put a nickel on the other side. Put a nickel on it. Okay. Yeah. Good Put a nickel on it. That's what we used to say. That's what they say in Portland. Yeah. Yeah. Double nickels <laughs> on the on the dime bag. Now come wow. You get you get triple credit for that. Thank you. That I have was a minute a loud man post. Ring. I have that a minute man poster a... right here hanging in my office. That you know right? that. You've been there. It's over where my dolls are. I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I got what I have four X-Men posters and I got mm-hmm. a Minuteman poster. Got an old license plate. How do you feel about yeah. your uh, – how do you feel about the – so so, yes. so here's Merlin's mind. Here's Merlin's mind on drugs. Okay, and I've known you for a long time, and I know that sometimes the things that are in your mind, you explode out onto the walls. Oh, there's so much that I keep in. Like earlier, it was all I could do not to eat, not, not to parody a Who's Credit song by saying, there's a girl who lives on Capitol Hill. <laughs> but I didn't because I'm a you gentleman. Did. But yeah. sometimes, you know, like back in the old days, you used to put post-it notes up all over the place. <laughs> Remember? You, like, yes, okay, you, kind of. Every time you would have a thought, it would go into a post-it note and the post-it right. note would go okay, into I'll the wall. Okay, I'll allow it. You know, and, and then, uh, you know, you three by five cards uh-huh. and then you, but, but so... So for me, it's the same. Like I, I sometimes need to understand what I'm thinking by having it become physical, and then I put it on a table, or I put it on the wall, or I put it somewhere. Oh yeah, big fan. And, mm-hmm. and it's a thing, and then I look at, well, over at it, and I can go like, okay, right, you over there, mm-hmm. you know, it's a representation or yeah. whatever. But, but also, I remember when I moved into my farm originally, I didn't have anything in my room, my bedroom, hmm. nothing, nothing on the walls. No, not even a mirror, no furniture, just like a bed. It had white sheets, white walls, and that was it. Sounds like a John Lennon video. Yeah, a little bit, right? And, and, and the, oh, and I slept in a white tuxedo. Okay. Uh, <laughs> bare feet, bare feet, white tuxedo. <laughs> and a, and feet. A, a white top hat. Uh-huh. And then, you know, and I would sing Minnie the Moocher on my own. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and all, but also I had a residence single eyeball head. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. But I, but I remember feeling like my room was a, like a place of calm, a place where I, I went and there was n- nothing yeah. to look at and to. You, you like to stare at a wall. You like living a love and rocket studio. You just like to I stare do. at a wall. I do. I do. I, it's a ball of confusion. No, bro. no. That's what, that's what the world is. No, today. no. Anyway, so we've established everything blank, we can blank, think of blank. in a white. Oh, maybe maybe a Duran Duran video. Maybe is there some white rooms in those? No, I think not. I think they're uh, they're just women in leopard paint. Okay. All, all right. Or sailboat, sailboats. Sailboats. Sax yeah. solo on a sailboat. Sax- <laughs> Wow! Yes, yes, yes. The spirit of Nagel. Uh, but I, so. so, 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 so. I wonder, mm-hmm. as you're sitting there in your office, looking at your four X Men uh, posters Sick. and all of that, your Wilberforce doll and yes. the naked ladies, yes, yes, and yes. then the the Minutemen and the mm-hmm. and the various uh, milk jugs around the bottom underneath your desk, yes. and uh, other things, coffee pot, uh, ceremonial 
prayer rugs, yeah. Super Bowl Oswald, memorabilia. Oswald coffee pot, yeah. Do you feel like your stuff becomes slightly overwhelming? Yes, and uh, I do purges, and the last purge really took. Mm. And I've discovered how pleasant it is to uh, have less stuff. And to this point, even further, we are, my lady and me, kid doesn't know this yet, we are on the verge of a super purge at the house because it has oh. become untenable. And, and, and to be honest, it actually, uh, in a way that used to affect my, it's weird how my wife and I have swapped. She used to be the person who like really needed to clean and to have the house clean in order to feel mentally stable. And now that's me. We're like, I'm like, okay, this room, yesterday was my kid's birthday. And the room where the things were was overwhelming to me and I had to leave. So yes, to answer your question, having fewer things and having them in some sort of order has become very important to me. So tell me about this purge. Well, you know, this is something that we've done actually before our kid was born. 12 years ago, we had done this once at the house. Can you imagine that? I I remember when she was born. I know, it's insane. Um, She was just a little baby when she she was was a baby for a while. Yeah, and it was more manageable in many ways. But Mm -hmm. the, um, no, there's a long long story short, this is a book that I like a lot that really uh, helps you not just buy a bunch of plastic boxes and put stuff in it. Is it called The Tipping Point? Mm-hmm. It's called it's called glance. No, it's called what is it's called uh no. Uh it's no. it's called it's called it's all too much. And it basically instead of being the sort of tidying up book that teaches you how to uh be more organized by buying things at the container store, it encourages you uh this is not for you and except it is for you. And it encourages you to address your potentially very unhealthy relationships, the things that you own. And he's really good at walking you through the things that most of us say about why we keep things and then shows you, well, if you really felt that way, you'd be doing this instead of that. And it why was, don't I have this book? It's called uh, It's All Too Much by Peter Walsh, and I really, really like it. Um, and it made me go like, oh, my God, I, I, I hit every single one of these things. This thing is valuable, so I have to keep it. Like this thing has sent a, this thing has a sentimental value, and I will be essentially what I will be dishonoring the memory of my grandmother if I get rid of this. Or my kid made this drawing, and I can't throw it away. And like uh, as Jeff Beck says, blow by blow, you go through and address each of these dumb fucking toxic ideas you have about things that you own, and it utterly changed the way I think about my stuff. Wait and, a minute. I'm here on the internet looking at It's All Too Much. There's a... There's also a Beatles an, book. Uh, there is, but there's also an episode of 43 Folders um, <laughs> about... Uh, Please don't. Please close it. Please close it. It's All Too Much. It's a <laughs> clever hanger trick that's uh, featured. Oh, that is a great trick. On 43 yeah. Folders. And th- it here. works. So you hang, you hang your clothes... Is the site of, updated? Oh my god! You um you instead so like if you've got a way you hang usually you hang your clothes by grabbing the hanger thing and you you hang it with the little opening on the back. What what's recommended is instead when you put your clothes back, hang them such that the opening is reversed and in the front, and then return. Make yourself a reminder for whatever one one month, three months, six months, and then look at how much of the clothing obviously has never been taken off the hanger. Oh, this is the backwards clothing trick, eh? I probably called it a hack because that's how I earned it. Uh, let's see. Here's one of my oh favorite light. Oh, you called it life hacky with a dash. You put a dash. Life hacky. Oh, God, this is taking a turn. <laughs> so that, that book was really helpful. So what we did was, so at that point then, um, really, and, and my lady and I both read this book and really liked it. And it's still very, there are, there are two books that have really informed 
two self-help books that have informed the way that I live. One of them is that, and the other one is Getting Things Done by David Allen. And they've both been very, like so important in like rewiring the way that I think about stuff that I do. And honestly, that's one of them. I don't always follow it, but boy, if I need to get some semblance of order with objects, that's what I do. So why am I saying all this? Because an interesting thing happens, and you once you once uh, uh, anyone but you starts doing this process, you find yourself going, "Oh God, yes, more trash, more trash, more junk," and then it just becomes about like, "Where does this go?" You know, as Michael Stipe says, "Is there a way that I can recycle some of this? What can I donate that somebody actually wants?" Please don't donate socks. Nobody wants to use socks. Buy if you care about shelters, buy new socks. Oh, but it turns out, it turns out, turns out that uh, the Goodwills and the thrift stores do end up using all of that um, stuff that you think like nobody's going to want. These they sell, old sell socks. it for bath mat makers or something. Uh, yeah, they sell it, and that's what they make the interstate highways out of now. That's awesome. Your I should old do socks. That. Well, what's funny because the last time we did a mini purge a few months ago was in the midst of that uh, the whole like Marie Marie Kondo trend, oh, and sure. all of the the thrift stores were, were at the very least becoming much more picky, but we're also like often just saying, look, please, I thank you. I'm so glad you rented a truck and you're bringing this all your, all your treats. But like, seriously, we just, we don't have capacity for processing. You know what I'm talking about? So that yeah. the tidying up with Marie Kondo thing really caught on with Netflix and it became this huge thing. And a lot of the haulers, I can tell you, started raising their prices. And it became oh. just because it was like this whole new business had formed around moving Americans' former possessions somewhere else. Yeah. But it's, it, no, like for me, it, it is really, um, I, 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 I do still find myself falling back into that. And I say, like, oh, I got to keep this Arby's Cool Cat glass because, like, it's, I'm sure it's worth a lot. And his tip for Come that on. is, like, go on eBay. If you think, if, if your single reason for keeping that Burger Chef box from 1977 is because you think it's valuable, like, go on eBay and look at what it's worth. Because, like, right. it can be pretty shocking that, Nobody wants that, and the people who do are paying a nickel for it. <laughs> so that's that's taking up cubic inches of your home and your psyche every day yeah. that you keep it. So anyway, yeah, that's me. And so here at the office, it's pretty great. As I've told you before, I think I don't have canonical San Francisco trash service, so it, it right. is very easy for stuff to pile up if I don't take it out. So I take that out Taco all, Bell bag. It might be worth something. It might be worse than to sell it to Cool Cat. <laughs> But, you know, occasionally, like, I'll, what my trick, as I've said before, I think, is I'll just, I'll call a junk place that day, which forces me, again, to, like, have to get it together. I'm carrying on. But, you know, that's made me feel happier and healthier and have honestly transformed this little space into a place that I'm much happier uh, to be. That and getting a couch. I got my old couch from the, uh, the very old couch came from our house to here, and now I can sleep here. Do nice. you... I mean, when when uh, when I used to spend a lot of time at your apartment, which was uh, now a long time ago, but yeah. I used to, you know, I used to used to camp out at your place for sometimes uh, days on days on end. There was that one time when I think you were having a bit of a time, and and you visited with us for a few days. But 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 a lot of times it was touristy stuff, and I don't know. Yeah. Seems, maybe sometimes it was con um, concomitant with like a break in the tour where you could spend two or three nights. Yeah, nice. I'd, uh, beginning of a tour, or end of a tour, I'd spend a few nights. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, one time you and Maddie were generous enough to say, like, why don't you just come? Mm -hmm. And that was fun. It's always fun. It's always fun. Um, but at the time, you were, you know, your place was extremely comfortable and well, you know, well done. Thank you. But it was done the way that 
our places were done when we were in our oh, 30s. For sure. Oh, you, you like, probably still there were probably still milk carton furniture furnishings yeah, in my office. Yeah, the stuff that we had when from college combined with the, yeah. yeah another thing that we found and then there was this and then there was that. <laughs> well, and, I'm a crap hound man. <laughs> I still have so much junk like that. Yeah. Well, and you guys had that wonderful mattress in your guest room, sure. which was shaped shaped like a, <laughs> like, a taco. like a taco shell. <laughs> that was a bad <laughs> bet. Now you, you got a Casper mattress. You really, really, really insisted on it for yeah. a long time, past really the point everybody told you, like, listen, that's a thing. Well, it's you'll a find yourself mattress. rolling off the bed, you know, because it's, really, yeah. it's, it's bad. It's worse than not having a guest room, frankly. Well, it's, it's kind of like a bathtub, <laughs> but with sheets on it. <laughs> Which is the opposite of the Coltons. The Coltons used to have a wonderful guest room that was just like uh, this this perfect little place in New York that you could go like crash at the Coltons. Oh man! And they took it away and replaced it with one of those modular like IKEA couches that you can't get comfortable on no matter what you're doing. You couldn't oh, get comfortable no. on that couch if you were floating three feet above it. No, it doesn't want you to be comfortable. No, and then I realized, oh, they don't want you to be comfortable. They don't want you to come oh, stay there for five days. Oh, it's purposeful furnishings. Yeah, it was just like, oh, hey, come on, stay with us anytime. Mm-hmm. We just got, we just made this couch <laughs> out of, uh, you know, out of cinder blocks. How do you like that? Cinder blocks covered with, uh, with, <laughs> with Owen's Corning fiberglass. <laughs> What's it crinkling? <laughs> but my question for you is: Now that you are full growns mm-hmm. with uh, with a like a child that has obviously child, she has yet to put away childish things. Did you? Did Maddie in particular uh, develop a adult style that was based around getting some nice pieces? Not you much. know how people say Not that. Much. Oh yeah, we, yeah, I do. They I got do. some nice mm-hmm. pieces. Hmm. Did you get some nice pieces? No, I mean, no, not really. You don't have cinder block bookcases, though. No, but it's also something where, I mean, I, I don't want to throw her under a house bus, but like sure. my kid does a lot of crafts and it could just be something where like, you know, cleaning paintbrushes, like half a bottle of like rubbing alcohol is spilled on this thing and didn't get cleaned up. And now it's, it's oh, bad. No, it doesn't. Been nice so, no, we'll just get a different Ikea, you know a different Ikea table for the nook or something like that. No, no, we, we get lots of stuff. I don't know. It's no, no. What about, no, what about you? You've got a lot of classic pieces in your home. Well, yeah, but you know, the piano found a good, I don't know if we ever talked about that. You found a home for the piano, right? Oh yeah. 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 Found a home for the piano. And I feel, I feel liberated by, by that having left the piano. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm thrift store eclectic. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that things are worth more than they are. Um, but, you know, the other day I posted a picture of a lamp I have and somebody wrote me and was like, that lamp's worth $900, hmm. which was like, I didn't know uh, that they're there not was... helping you, John. They're not helping No, they you. were not. I no. didn't know that you could even have a lamp that was worth $900, <laughs> let alone uh, that I had one. Mm-hmm. But then it's that thing where then you go look on, you go look on the line Mm-hmm. And you realize, oh, there's one of these lamps for sale somewhere for nine hundred dollars. That does not mean they're worth nine. That's there, or maybe put slightly differently, there is there is somebody in the world. There might be twelve people in the world that would pay ten times more than that. But it's not going to be super easy to get connected up with them. No, how are you going this find week? That? Right, that's good. Happen. And, eBay must be good for that in some ways. When you do get connected with them, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Show up with a lamp over your shoulder? No, you're going to want to like, <laughs> you're going to want to make that connection turn into some kind of Robert Evans production deal. 
You know what I mean? Like you're not going to say, hey, I just met this amazing person that would pay $1,500 for this lamp. Yeah. Let me go get my lamp. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. That, that's how you end you're up in a clown's basement. Let me go get my basement. play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe someday. I mean, someday is now, right? S- someday is now. Someday is now. Whoa. Right. Talk more about that. Well, see, that's what I'm. Uh, that's what I've been trying to. I, I was about. Mm-hmm. I can't say that's what I've been trying to tell you about because that's not what I've been trying to tell you about because I am trying to tell myself that someday is now for for everything. Uh, it's I. I have lost a little bit of aloha, which is not to say that I don't that I've gone away from aloha. I'm just not reminding myself all the time, which feels like part of aloha is to say it mm-hmm. to yourself when you need it. I haven't been. Mm-hmm. And I need to I need to get get Re- my you need a, you need a return to return to aloha. I need a little return to aloha. Yep, 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 yep. And um I just uh like yeah, what's my path? I mean, I guess I get to just <laughs> go back to Hawaii. You know, there is a way in which we are similar, I will postulate. Um, you and I you mean, we're not so different, you and I. Mm-hmm. Um, so with me, I will always be very anxious about something. And just because that something gets resolved to my satisfaction, that might buy me an afternoon. But I'll just say, okay, what's next in the stack? And my brain will say, that's the new thing we're anxious about. Yay. Uh, you're not like that necessarily with anxiety, I don't think. But like you do get a bee in your bonnet. And mm-hmm. that bee in your bonnet has understandably been your housing situation. Do you think your mind is casting about for the next bee to go in your bonnet? Somebody asked me. Uh, <clears throat> somebody asked me the other day, like, "Do you are you excited?" You know, I get this every once in a while. Are you excited? It's a common thing for people to ask one another. I guess. Are you excited? I'm not sure I've ever asked that of somebody. No, Partly. it's like I said the other day on the internet. It's like every time I get in a lift, they say, "Having a busy day." <laughs> and I go, mm, not, not really. And they're like, hmm. Oh, guys always like telling you they're busy. Yeah, now, busy. now what are we going to do? Listen to 98.1 The Breeze? You're supposed to tell me you're busy. And I go, oh, hardly working? Oh, no. Oh, crazy day. Uh, like, no, I mean, like, I kind of, like, the whole reason I run my life the way I do is so I don't, you know, have to talk to people. But um, the, the garage door guy and I spent 15 minutes talking about the cold and oh I kept God, trying to the cold. What are you going to do about the cold? <laughs> well, I kept trying to get to oh get there God. with him. I was like, well, oh, time to get warriors. your winter jacket out. What's going on out. with the warriors? Well, Woo, I didn't I, I, I can't talk about that, but oh, I was like, sure. time to get your winter outages. coat out. Yeah, oh. And he said uh, he said this is it. Uh-huh. I'm oh. wearing it. And so I said at some point later he was like it's fucking cold. And mm-hmm. I said, uh, well, it's time to get start start getting some layers on then. Because yeah. I'd already tried the winter coat gambit, yeah, and it hadn't occurred to him to have two or something. And his winter coat is dirty too. Oh yeah. Uh, and I was like, time to get some layers going, you know, like yeah. some sweatshirts. It's the Northwest, and he was like, I'm wearing them. And I was like, all right. Well, you got cucked. Like what the fuck? Yeah, you're complaining about the cold. I'm trying to offer you some solutions yeah, complain here. With me. Like you know, like yeah. don't make me do all the work here. See, the hell, he's the opposite of the guy who got the poop out of my garage, who who wanted to talk about uh, about uh, Otman and Brahman. Oh yeah, he's. I the couldn't opposite get. I, I had hot food upstairs, Sean. I had pho. I, like, I couldn't unload that going. guy. Well, for me, my neighbor's I, poop was by my foot, and he's talking about Otman and Brahman. I don't want to hear about. I don't want to hear about that. I mean, God bless you. I'm so glad you've had this journey, but. 
Well, that's, you know, the, I'm having some floors redone right now. Yeah, and for right. whatever reason, every floor guy I've ever met is from Ukraine. I don't every know why that is. Every floor guy is from Ukraine. The floor guys are from Ukraine. And and so oh. I hired I hired the, uh, the floor guys to do this floor work. And the guy that I talked to on the phone was uh, Vietnamese and his company kind of had like a sort of Vietnamese, uh, name and so forth. Okay. And then the guy that actually showed up to do the work was from Ukraine. I was like, okay, what's going on? There aren't a lot of roofers, uh, Turks. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Is this racist to talk about this kind of international home improvement? I'm not sure. This this is the question. Is it even racist to talk about Ukrainians? I don't think think so. I think, I think you might have a little bit of a blind spot. I, for sure, I do. Mm. but uh, but when somebody says, "Are you excited?" <laughs> my only answer is, my excitement is is very short lived. Yeah, this is you're, you're not just talking about your home project. No, 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 about everything. Okay, if if I am anticipating something, I am excited, but it's tinged with anxiety like i'm anxious sure is is kind of what my excitement feels change like. is hard uncertainty is hard and then as soon as the thing happens because i've known a lot of people that as soon as they you know they have like a single-minded goal and as soon as they achieve it they forgot that they ever cared about it and they just move on to the next goal mm-hmm. i'm not a lot that. of a lot of uh seos a lot of ceos like that we were like, oh, yeah, dude, why don't you just retire? Like, why do you have to keep wrecking the world? Like, you just made all the money. And like, no, I mean, I think there's people who are like addicted to feeling edgy about the next thing. Yeah. And I, I don't feel that, but I definitely, excitement immediately converts to tasks. Mm-hmm. As soon as I achieve a thing, mm. it's like, I know I'm no longer excited. I have a list of jobs now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but you just got, you just achieved, or you just, the thing that you were, you know, it's like you won first place. And it's like, yeah, but now I have to. Somebody's going to have to do all the stuff. Yeah. I have to go put this on a mantle. I have to dust it. Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't maintain any kind of, mm, what is it? Like, I don't know. We've talked about it before. Sense of achievement. Oh, right. You I, don't, you don't retain um, victories. I don't retain victories. Now, how does one. You tell me, Merlin, how does one retain a victory? Um, how do you retain a victory? John doesn't retain victories. Um, how do you retain a victory? Well, I mean, it's it's funny. You should say that because I think it, this is a uh, – there's an affliction here that can go lots of different ways. There are some people who have what I like to call dumb guy confidence who, who retain too many victories. Mm-hmm. They, they, they think they won lots of contests that they not only didn't win but weren't even in. And uh, right. boy, that can be really rough to be around. Um, uh, but then, yeah, then there are people who, like yourself, who are struggling with, well, what, what, what is it you wish were different? If you retained victories, or however one wishes to phrase it, if you were able to get a white ribbon and say thank you, like a gentleman, um, what, what would be different if you successfully retained a victory? If you retained it a little longer than you currently do, what, what do you think would feel or be different? I think that I would be able to put stuff behind me. Mm-hmm. That's what I really want to do. Put stuff behind oh, me. Oh, sort, sort of like the way where like you, you, uh, one, uh, ignores a hundred compliments, but like highlights one slight forever. Well that, but also <clears throat> like, let's say, um, let's say that I, uh, that somebody said, you got to butcher this hog. Mm-hmm. 
turned into hams. Yep. Ham it up. And I, and I butchered the hog and I turned it into hams. But in the course of doing it, I nicked my knife. Mm. And, and at the end, I would point to the, the stack of hams and I would go, I made the hams. And they, the person would come and say, did you butcher the hog? And I would say, hog is butchered, made the hams. And they would go, good work. Mm-hmm. You know, like, nice job. And I would go, yeah, but I nicked my knife. And they would go, huh, well, anyway, here's the money for uh, the hams. Go buy yourself a new knife or whatever. Uh, good work, pat on the head. And then they go, the hams are gone. But you're, and you're, I'm you're, left. you're amplifying this one part that felt like a failure to you. And what I do when I put it away is I put it away on the shelf and the box the box is marked nicked my knife. Mm -hmm. The box is never marked. Made some hams. Made made the hams. Mm -hmm. And it's because the hams, like making the hams is a, is a transient thing. It's the, it's the job. They gave me the pig. I made the hams, Mm -hmm. but the nicked knife lives forever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I want to be different. I want to, I want to celebrate the hams. Mm Mm-hmm. And I want the knife to just be like, oh, yeah, knives get nicked, man. And how to flip that? How to flip that? Yeah, I'm trying to find the name for this. I think there's a name for this um, that is encompassed in things like depression and in things like borderline personality disorder. I'm not saying that's what you have here, but there is like, the, this is one thing they talk about a lot in stuff like cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, is that uh, tendency for people, let's just say, especially with depression, to um, to overly highlight the negative about things mm-hmm. and to minimize the neutral? Accentuate the, the negative. negative. Mm-hmm. Nick your knife while you're making a ham. Mm-hmm. No success for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that... And I think this might be a little bit of a Daniel Kahneman thing where like even if you are sort of aware of this type of bias or this um, – well, you know, the thing, way they talk about it in CBT, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy is, you know, that you are – you're trying to – there's a moment between something happening in the world and you feeling a certain way. You know, so in, in some forms of this, you refer to this as like A, B, and C. So like a thing happens. Like somebody didn't say hi to me at work. And now I'm sad or angry or anxious or whatever. Well, you know, what is the somewhere between something happening in the world and you having an emotional response to it? Something happened. Hmm. Try to become more aware of what the thing is that made you feel that way. And they encourage, for example, keeping a log of moments where you had a strong emotional reaction that you didn't like. And so you get into like the seven dwarfs of bad emotions, as Dan and I like to say. You get into your, you get your, you get your angry, you get your sad, snuffy, you, greasy, snuffy, <laughs> greasy, finger bang, yeah, all of those. And <laughs> and so try to become more aware of that, and then then you can apply a rationality to saying, well, are there other plausible explana- explanations for what happened here that aren't just I nick my knife and now I'm bad. Like what? Anyway, I'm just tossing this out. So I guess what I'm saying is I don't know what this is called. I don't don't know how to fix it. But I think a lot of people have it. But if it's at a point where it's distracting in its negativity to you, that's no bueno. Oh well, it has been for 40 years. I'm just now trying to. I feel like oh, Aloha was the. You know when there's a nail that has been pounded and it it went halfway in and then it bent and the person that was pounding it just 
just kept pounding the shit out of it until it was <laughs> flat into the wood. But still, there was half a nail there. Mm-hmm. Aloha has been the um, has been the nail removing all. Uh, that has allowed me to start pulling out some of these nails. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it's not that this is new. It's just yeah, that I'm yes. trying to find languages for it. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I've got tactics for this that work if I remember to apply the tactics, but I rarely remember to apply the tactics. But, you know, there's one. There's one I'll, I'll mention. This is, again, probably not for you, but it does help me sometimes, is if I catch myself being emotional about something in a way that makes me unhappy, or if I catch myself having an outsized, what I realize this seems like an outli- outsized response to something, um, uh, at the risk of repeating myself, I, I say to myself, uh, very overtly, not out loud, but in my head, I've decided not to let it bother me. Hmm. And that has two important parts to it. The, huh. What seems like the important part is not letting it bother me, but it's also really important that I decided. Ah, uh, yes. I've decided yes, not yes. to let it bother me. And so, Good. like, if that could be something where I'm getting mad on Twitter, or it could be something where, God, what was the one the other day? I was trying to accomplish something really stupid along the lines of fixing metadata on an MP3. But I found myself, as we say, shaving a yak, like going down a rabbit hole and getting flustered. And now my shoulders are up in my ears and I don't know why. Why can't this thing work? And then I go, wait a minute, is this a way, what is this in service of? Like, what what is it I'm really trying to accomplish here? And then I say to myself, I say, uh, I've decided not to let it bother me. Now, that can turn into a serenity now. I like that, though. But sometimes it helps to catch yourself and say... Really, it's the equivalent of things when I start having an anxiety about something. Uh, a good first attempt, well, the, the first attempt most of us try to do that is unsuccessful for brain reasons, is to try not to think about it. Oh, I thought it was Google anxiety attack. Go to WebMD, go to WebMD and find out, find out which, which cancer you have. I've got it down to three. Oh, God. Why are these nails in here? I've decided not to let it bomb. We try to have fun. We try to have a, have fun and make a nice thing.